Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter number four. And as we've been looking at these uh, last few commands here in Philippians four, uh, Paul gives us the right kind of living, how we should actually be living our Christian life. And uh, I cannot stress enough of how important it is for believers, for us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we are following Scripture. As a Christian, you don't have anything else that tells us how to live, how to do things, except Scripture. And it's so important that we adhere to Scripture, maintain Scripture, fight for Scripture, stand on Scripture, because this is what God has given us. And, uh, you know, God doesn't give us his word of how to live, how to do things as just merely a suggestion. It's commands. And so it's very important that we take God's word and we follow God's word and we maintain that uh, listening to what uh, God has to say. And we don't get to pick and choose which passages we're going to follow or which ones we're not going to follow um, or feel like following or if we may feel like we have a better way of doing something, we must follow scripture. That's exactly what we must do. Um, the context, what we've been looking at is this idea of rejoicing always. And that's a command. He wants us to rejoice. He wants us to do these things. He wants us to live out rejoicing. And the context here uh, that we've been really looking at stems from all of that about rejoicing, about let your reasonableness be known. Uh, don't be anxious as we looked at uh, last week, but by prayer and supplication, having the proper prayer that we can find peace through God. And so we can rejoice, we can do all these things, we can follow scripture, uh, but we have to be obedient uh, to what God tells us. And so our ability to live a joyful and holy Christian life, it really is dependent upon us following the commands Paul gives throughout this chapter. So it's sad to say, but there's many Christians who go through life that don't have any joy whatsoever. And that's because they are not following what scripture teaches. And so if we're going to have joy, if we're going to have our reasonableness be known, if we're not going to be anxious about anything, then we need to follow uh, what uh, the word of God tells us to do. And really what it comes down to is we have to abandon our way of thinking our foolish ways of living, and we have to follow what uh, the word tells us to do. For example, Proverbs 14, 12 warns us that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Uh, Proverbs 21, 2 adds, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So Paul here is offering up to us counsel and saying, this is how you need to live. This is how you need to think. This is how you need to actually live out the principles so that you can have a uh, joyful life. And so we need to follow what scripture tells us to do. And so this morning we're going to be talking about what do you think about? And this is what I'd like for you to take away with you today. What I do 
reveals how I think. What I do reveals how I think. So let's take notice here of our scripture. Chapter eight, uh, excuse me, chapter four, verses eight and nine. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. There it is. There's that peace again. Remember what we talked about last week about how when we have proper prayer, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he's saying the God of peace will be with you if you practice these things. If you do these things, if you think this way, he said peace will be in your life. So here's the first thing that you need to understand. Has God's word changed the way I think? And so here we have another command that is tied to rejoicing always. And if we're going to rejoice always, then we need to make sure that we are thinking correctly by obeying Scripture. Paul makes it clear what kinds of things should occupy our minds here. And as a result, our actions. Because what I think is what I do. What I'm doing shows the way that I am thinking. So Paul is saying here, what he's talking about, he's not talking about some philosophical uh, academic exercise. These verses are not teaching if you can just keep your mind focused on the qualities listed, then that is what will make you rejoice always. It's not this idea of saying, okay, here's the list. I need to think about whatever is true. Okay, so I'm going to think true, 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 true. I'm thinking true. I'm thinking true. Or saying, okay, lovely, 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 lovely. That's not what he's saying here. Okay, he's giving us these qualities, what we need to be thinking about. It's important to understand this because the society that we live in today, I think, is very Greek in its thinking. And let me explain to you this a little bit. Our tendency is to think the way that Greeks did back in Paul's day. In other words, they put a separation between what they think about and what they do. They kind of put it in different categories, if you will. Okay? Paul here is not making a distinction between what you think and what you do. Rather, what you do reveals what you think. Sad to say, but many Christians in America have a poor understanding of how Scripture works today. How it's to be used to be transforming our thinking so we'll actually live the right way. And I think what happens is the biblical information that, that, that we learn tends to be left in the mind instead of actually applied in life. For example, I think that all of us in here, if we sat down and we had a conversation, if you know Christ as your Savior... And you know some things about scripture, you know some things uh, about God, whether you learned them in Sunday school, you whether learned them at home, you rather learned them sitting in a pew. We could probably all agree if I said, do you agree that God is love? Yes. 
If I were to say, do you believe that God is all-powerful? Yes. Do you believe that God is uh, omnipresent, that he's everywhere at the same time? Yes. If, I, if we could talk about those things, we would probably all agree about those. If I say, do you believe that God is holy? Yes. Do you believe that God is righteous? Yes. Do you believe that God is the judge? Yes. So we would agree to that, but why is it that we still live the same way as if none of those things are true? Why is it that we still practice sin as if God is not watching? You see, what we think shows exactly what we're doing in life. And so what we're doing in life really reveals what we're thinking about, how we live our lives. We're not making the connection between the two. So if scripture is true and it tells us these things about who God is, what he's like, and we're not actually applying that to our lives, but we're still continually living the same way that we've always lived, then what good is the truth in that what we've heard? We've kind of placed it over here. And we say, well, these things are good to know, but I'm going to live my life over here in this side. There has to be the connection made between the two of them. Too many Christians learn Bible stories and doctrine, but make little or no application of them in their own lives. And I want you to understand how serious this is, because if we claim to know Christ, but do not live out scripture and continue to live the way that we have always lived, is there really any evidence of a true change in our lives? We can hear scripture, we can listen to it, but if we're not actually applying it to our lives <clears throat> and we're still living the exact same way that we've always lived, is there any true evidence of a changed life? That's what God is doing. It should be doing in our hearts and our minds is he's changing us. He's transforming us. There's that sanctification process that's going on in our lives. And so if what is in the mind does not reach the heart and comes out in the actions of the arms, the legs, the mouth, then there's good cause to question the claim to the professed belief. Now, this does not mean that in order to be a Christian, you have to reach some standard of holiness set by man, but it does mean that you need to be walking towards the standards of holiness that are set by God. Christians are saints because they are set apart to God, but they are not perfect and will not be perfect in this life. We still struggle in sin. And that's why the word of God is so important so that we can see the distinction of this is how I am living. This is the way God wants me to live. What needs to happen from point A to point B is I have to change my thinking. And I have to make the application of the word of God to my life so that way I can get from point A to point B. And so God's word is very clear about this. 1 John 1.9 is such a precious verse to those who know Christ. It tells us that if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we struggle in sin. We struggle from trying to get from point A to point B. But that's why prayer, that's why the word of God is so important to us. The true Christian is identified by the fruit that they bear which includes confession, repentance, and a renewed striving to walk in holiness when we're admonished for sin. The one with a false profession will not do that, which is one of the things the church discipline will bring out. 
We both encourage and admonish one another that we might mature in our walk with Jesus Christ. Did you know that when we gather together, this is a form of church discipline? It is. We are admonishing one another. When you meet with another believer, we are talking, and that believer says something that's just a little, little off. And we say something, we say, I don't think you're right in that. Or we're encouraging them. We're stirring them up to good works. All of this is admonishing one another. And if we're true believers in Christ, then we take that, we learn from it, and we grow in our walk with the Lord. And so has God's word changed the way that I think? You see, those that refuse to turn from sin only show that they are not on the same path that we are. And there are only two paths. There's not many. There's not trap doors. There's, there's only two paths. There's the broad way, which leads to destruction. And then there's the narrow way, which leads unto life everlasting. And so God wants us to walk according to his word. He wants us to follow his teachings. Now take notice here that Paul does not leave out verse eight as an independent list of, this, of these truths that he's making mention of, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, on and on and on, okay? He's not just saying, just, just think about these things because notice what he says here. He says, I want you to see the connection here. Look at this. The very command itself, verse eight, is more than just a call to think. The word Paul uses here is translated as think. Uh, we see it translated that way in the King James, the uh, New International Version. Um, it's translated as the word meditate in the New King James. And it's also translated as let your mind dwell upon in the NASB. The word is also translated in other places as reckon, calculate, consider, and regard. And so the way Paul is using this word is by saying, what you do in life, how you behave, you live out your life, reveals how you think. So if your life is not lining up with scripture then, then this is a revealing sign of what your mind dwells on, what you think about. Scripture must be the only authority in which we govern our lives and it teaches us how to live our life. The scripture alone is what we should use to filter everything through life. If you ever hear someone say, the Holy Spirit is telling me to, and it doesn't line up with scripture, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit did not tell them to whatever it is. We don't live our life by feelings or anything like that. We live our life through the word of God. This is what it tells us how to live. And so it's very important that we use the word to help us think correctly. Paul is telling them that they need to figure out how to carry out the virtues here. He has listed for them true, honest, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Notice this other thing here in uh, verse number nine, okay? Because look what he says. So Paul, after he lists these commands of virtues that are occupy our minds, in verse eight, he follows up with that and calls them to follow his example. Look what he says. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. He says, I'm calling you to a different way of thinking, 
He says, you have seen this in me, you've heard this in me, and you have received this from me. And he says, practice these things. So Paul has actually lived out these things. It wasn't just some pie in the sky type of, of thinking here. He wasn't saying, oh, I'm going to kind of fluff this up a little bit to make you feel better. He's saying, I have lived this out. Remember where Paul was? Remember his circumstances? There he is, chained to a Roman guard, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Things being said about him that were not true. He's being slandered. That's where he is. And he's saying, I have chosen to rejoice. I have chosen to think about the right things in life so that I can rejoice. And so the command of verse eight is to result in application in real life. They are not just to be left for these intellectual musings of, well, I'm gonna think about lovely or think about pure, or think about whatever. So we should be living these things out. So has God's word changed the way that I think? Here's the second thing. We need to think correctly. The importance of what you think about cannot be overemphasized. You see, our ability to reason is one of the human attributes by which we show that we are made in the image of God. People can reason. We're not animals. And is that not what we see today in our society? People acting like an animal. And they say, I can't control this. I can't do this. I can't do that. No. <laughs> you are made in the image of God. You are an image bearer of God. We can control the things that we do. God has given us that ability to do that. But see, our society today has said, oh, you're nothing more than just an animal. You're just a, you're just a, a, a process of, of random, random process. Just protoplasm that has just appeared. And there's nothing you can do about it. But God's word tells us that we're made in his image. And so although we are made in the image of God because of sin, the image has been tarnished by sin, but nevertheless, it's still there. And we have to understand this because of sin, how we think, how we act, what we do is still affected by that presence of sin in life. Even though if you know Christ as your savior, we still live in a body that is tarnished by sin. We don't think always the right way. We don't always act the way that we should act. We don't always say the things that we should do. Our heart is still deceitful and desperately wicked. We have to understand that even though we know Christ, we are not saved from the very presence of sin yet. That comes later on when Christ returns and we're given a new body fashioned like his, free from all that stuff. So as we're still living in this body, in this flesh, we need to understand why we need to think correctly. And so if we're going to be struggling in our sin that we still have, if we're struggling in this Christian walk as we're going through this life, we have to learn how to put off and to be putting on. Putting off the old man, putting on the new man. It's a daily activity. And that part of that includes the way that we think and how we think. We're reminded in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that the natural man, the one without Christ, the effect of sin upon the mind is severe, and it describes the minds of unbelievers as being blinded by the God of this age, which is Satan. 
Ephesians 4.8 says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 1 Corinthians 2.14 bluntly states, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him, they're foolishness. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so we need to remember that that what is in your heart and mind will be demonstrated in and by your actions. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. That which proceeds out of the man, that is which defiles the man, for from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, Deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So what you do reflects what you think and believe. So regardless of what a person says, you know the truth by what they do. That is why Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, 20, that you'll be able to discern a person who is a false teacher or a false prophets. Why? By their actions in keeping with the commands and the principles of God's word. So if we become a Christian, 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that part of being in Christ is now we should have been given a new capacity to have the mind of Christ, but we're still plagued with the effects of a past sinful mindset. And we have to work at putting off that old way of sinful thinking and put on the new way of thinking that has been renewed in Christ Jesus. And so we have to discipline our minds in what we think about. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so see, the world today, even the world that we live in, is pushing us and it's trying to make us conform to what they want. So what should we be doing? Should we just go, okay, I will do what you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Is that what we're supposed to be doing? No. We're supposed to be renewing our minds, renewing them, transforming the way that we're thinking. Do you think the world today has your best interest in mind? Nope. Because who's the God of this world? And what does he want to do? Destroy you. So if he's controlling the world and he's doing these things in the world, we should not go along with the world. We have to change our thinking. And that begins with scripture. It begins by renewing our mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Perfect. So we are transformed by the renewing of our mind in which we flush out our old and sinful ways of thinking with the cleansing water of the word of God. In speaking of the relationship that Christ has with his bride, the church, Paul writes in Ephesians 5.26, 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And so God is doing a sanctifying process with the washing of the word of God. And this is why it's important for the church to gather because as we gather, when we are edifying one another with the word of God, God is in the process of washing us. He's sanctifying us. And he's doing the work that only the word of God does. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so what Paul states here in Philippians 4, 8 is part of that process. We are to filter our minds with certain virtues and come to the logical conclusions about our actions based upon those virtues. Now, within the context of this passage, a few things Paul puts into our perspective is getting along with others whom we may disagree with, rejoicing always, how I treat others, giving them forbearance and gentleness, how I handle anxiety, how I pray, and how I have peace. And so if I want those things in my life, if I want peace, if I want to be able to get along with others, if I want to be able to show forbearance to others, if I want to have the ability to rejoice always, if I want to have the ability where anxiety doesn't dominate my life, if I want to have the ability of knowing that the peace of God is guarding my hearts and my minds in Christ Jesus, then I have to change the way that I'm thinking. And that's the way the word of God tells us to do. So if how I act reveals how I'm thinking, then in order to actually live out those principles that God wants for me to do in order to live a holy life, then that means I must change the way that I think. And so if you want to be serious about developing the mind of Christ in yourself, then Philippians 4.8 is a good verse to memorize and to meditate on. Then you can use it as the grid by which you will screen what you allow into your mind through what you hear, read, watch sure many of you were kind of wondering what I was doing with these cooking pots. Evelyn asked me, what are you going to be cooking here? I said, well, I'm not really cooking anything. But imagine, if you will, how many of you guys remember that, uh, that commercial? This is your brain. <laughs> remember that? Okay. All right. So, this is your brain. Okay. Now, if we, if we take this, this, this is our mind, this is our heart. Okay, our mind and our heart. And you have to understand that the world is pushing us and trying to conform us, trying to say things to us, and we're taking all of this stuff in. And if we're not filtering that through the word of God, then those things are going to go in our hearts, in our minds. And what is it going to do? It's going to control how we actually live our life. So, for example, just have a few things here. All right. I'm worried about what we're thinking about, whatever it is, right? If we're not filtering that through the Word of God, then those things just go right in there, right? How about this one? I want respect. We're thinking about that. Why is it that husbands and wives have a lot of, lot of difficulties in marriage? He doesn't listen to me. She doesn't listen to me. She doesn't give me what I want. She, he doesn't give me what I want, right? If that's what's on our hearts and our minds, if that's what we're thinking about, it's just going to go right in the pot. 
if my life could only be free from whatever it is. We're just going right in the pot. If I could only, if I could only put it in there, whatever it is, right in the pot. Does God care? Here I am, I'm having these struggles and difficulties in my life. Does God even care? That's what we're thinking about. I don't have a good life. Just going over and over in our mind, just right in there. If I could only, whatever that may be, I want my way. This is what I want, right? Goes right in there. I want to be liked. That's mine. That's mine. If I think about that a lot, that's what I want. I want to be liked. And so guess what? Sometimes my actions prove that. This goes right in the pot. The media news I listen to, right in the pot, okay? So we have all these things. These things are all in our hearts and our minds. And they're going and they're just, they're doing all this stuff. And it's going to show us how what we're doing in our life. And so that's why it's important that we have a filter. We have the word of God. And that word of God, whatever's coming into our minds, goes through the word. And we allow that to be the gridiron. We allow that to be the grid that, that filters everything that comes into our minds. And if it's not lining up with scripture, what should we be doing? Taking them captive to the obedience of Christ. That's not what scripture says. That's not what God says. And we cast those things down. We have to use scripture. It has to be primary in our lives. Because when we think about these things, we're going to be dwelling upon them, dwelling upon them, dwelling upon them, and they will affect in how we live our life. So we need the word of God. So, do the things that you listen to, the things that you watch, the things that you read, things that you think upon, do they line up with Scripture? And we're going to look at this more next week because we're actually going to go through that list about being true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, those things we need to be thinking about. We're going to give more meat to this. But I want you to understand the principle that what you do in life reveals how you are thinking. And we need to have the correct thinking through scripture. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.